Okay, so here we are. Do you have any like fun little anecdotes to pump us up? Do I? What's happened recently? To be fair, like nothing really has happened. I'm like, excuse you, you just spent three days with me. <laughs> no, but like, you know, like you know everything already. Okay. Everybody else? Yeah, the mm. surprise we had the other night when I came and you just appeared <laughs> for like, yeah, you're right. This Everybody's still in shock from your arrival. Yeah, I think <laughs> I'm looking at like, what? Yeah. So we're supposed to record the episode on Friday night. Yeah. And I was going to record running. from India. Yeah, I was running late. She was supposed to connect from India. And she said, yeah, I'm setting up the call right now. We, uh, so we will catch up. So when you come, then you can start recording right away. And when I arrived, like, I came in and I saw there, like, imagine, I think she's in India and like being here, like just right here. I was like, you had the same. Yeah. You filmed them, no? Yeah. yeah and it was just... so shocking because <laughs> if she was in south of France or, like, I don't know, Spain or whatever, okay, like, you can't jump on the plane. Like, it's still strange, but, but like, it's more logical. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now here we are all together. Yeah. Yes. Together again. Together again. And the words for great Janet Jackson. Yes. <laughs> Incredible. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dicalicious. I'm Casey. And I'm Leah. Today we have with us a special guest, Sarah. Hi. <laughs> welcome, Sarah. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks. Thank you for being here with us. Let's get straight into it with the big questions. Sarah, I'll let you go first. How gay was your day so far? I'm going to say gay, but not gay enough. Oh, really? What are we doing wrong? <laughs> Well, okay, so some context here oh. that I feel like my past 24 hours could have been gayer. Okay. Because I had like, I had big hopes to finally start watching The Ultimatum last night. Right. And I thought it could right. be like a really nice thing for my partner and I to do together in our awkwardly, slightly matching, not really matching pajamas. <laughs> and she's refusing to watch it because she doesn't believe in reality t TV. Oh, so instead, I had to watch something that wasn't gay. So and that is. That puts a downer on the wow, on the whole sure. game of the day. So yeah. disappointing. Yeah, well, so Are you sorry. okay? I'm getting over it. Yeah, yeah. That's right. It's a process. I'll try again tonight. Yeah. <laughs> My day is going to get gayer. Okay, good luck with this. Yes, <laughs> we'll manifest. We'll manifest. <laughs> All right, I'm Leah. Casey. Of oh, me? Yeah. Okay. I mean, my day's pretty pretty gay. I've had a very gay weekend. My girlfriend just moved in, so. <laughs> So we're starting a very gay life together in a new chapter. So that's pretty exciting. Very pretty, exciting. pretty happy. I'm very gay, yeah. You're very gay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you win. <laughs> and you, Leah, what about you? Um, well, my day has been pretty gay. I've been surrounded by lesbians, mm -hmm. um, which has been quite nice. Yeah, uh, it's always a good start. Yes. Um, and hopefully it will just get gayer. I mean, we're recording this, so yeah, it's pretty gay yeah. already. It's shooting my <laughs> Yeah, fucking coming from every angle. Just the way we like it. <laughs> so we're all here today because we have quite a big topic to talk about. Yes. Which actually is a 
bigger than I expected. <laughs> but I was first thinking about this topic. I wasn't expecting so much reaction within the group. Mm-hmm. But I guess it is something that, a revolution. Yeah, something that a lot of people think about and everybody has something to contribute. And do you want to tell us what the topic is? Today we are talking about babies. And whether to make them, how to make them, what how, to do with yeah. them afterwards. <laughs> do with them afterwards. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about the lesbian biological clock, how we all feel about babies, whether we want them, etc. like we said, how like, it's possible. Which kind of routes to take, the obstacles that come with trying to have kids as a queer couple. So in this episode, we've been a bit careful not to mention any specifics about prices prices or legal restrictions in certain countries because firstly it's really hard to find accurate information Mm -hmm. and Um, it's also tough because it changes very vastly depending on the country and depending also in some kind of instances the region that you're in mm -hmm. and so we did find a website Mm -hmm. uh, that kind of gives you a very clear um, overview of all of the legalities Mm -hmm. uh, of everything so we'll pop that in the link. So the website is rainbow-europe.org and you can find like a really nice interactive map of what kind of legal restrictions each country in Europe has. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to, there's a lot of things to take into consideration. First question for me would be like figuring out whether or not you actually want children, biological children in your life. Mm-hmm. Sarah, as our guest, if you don't mind, I'll throw the question to you first. How, uh, how do you feel about this question? I think, to begin with, I think it's a question that's not talked about enough, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would apply this to society generally. Like, I think in a heterosexual world, the default is that you'll have children unless you actively don't want them. Yeah. And, yeah, I find it really hard to actually think of people who've struggled with this question as much as me. Because when I think about this question, my brain feels like a muddle much as uh, so I might be really inarticulate because it's still quite <laughs> muddled. And that the muddle has kind of prompted a reflection of, because it's not, it's usually not straightforward if you're in a lesbian relationship to have children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does this lend itself to thinking about it more? Because by necessity, it does have to be a, a very active choice. Yeah. Yeah. And with that in mind, does that mean that I'm thinking about do I owe, don't I, the factors that come into it, such as do I, in light of the climate crisis, do I want to have a baby? Do I want to bring a child into this world? And I go down that rabbit hole for a bit. And then I also go down the other rabbit hole of, well, I actually really like my life the way it is at the moment. But then I really love children and I can see myself with children as well. And Mm. so I'm at this point where I feel... I'm feeling like, how do I even go about navigating all these conflicting thoughts? But at the same time, because I'm 35 and because, as I mentioned before, the process is likely to not be straightforward. I really need to get going because of the other stuff we're going to talk about later on in this episode, which are the obstacles, which are navigating the legal complexity, which are also and the money factor as well. So yeah. I really need to get cracking, even though my head still feels like a, a muddled mess. Yeah, it's kind of scary Yeah, when you put it all together. There's so much to process and figure out. And like you say, it's so much more thinking that we have to do because it's not just, you know, like a bit of casual sex and then you randomly get pregnant. <laughs> we don't have this option. 
but yeah it's a lot it's a big, big question it's, it's a, a big, big like, direction to to go in as well mm. do you want kids so i've always said like i had a pretty shitty adolescence and i feel like from the age of 14 i was like i never want to go through any kind of parenting experience again I mean, it wasn't extremely traumatic, but I didn't enjoy it. And all through my 20s, I was pretty comfortable with that. of like, I don't want kids. But when I reached 30, <laughs> I was kind of, I don't know, I think I was just doing like due diligence of thinking about like, how am I really going to feel in 20 years if I don't have kids? I mean, from a really selfish perspective, I won't have a child who's going to take me to the doctor if I get sick or like somebody to, to do the shopping when I went to, to, to do to shopping. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, Without paying them. it's, yeah, <laughs> it's something that for some reason, this is what I was thinking about of like, who is going to take care of me in my old age. But I think that that's quite a normal, like thought process when you are kind of around 30, mm -hmm. at least from like a few of the people that I've spoken to about it. Like it is like, okay, hold on. But like, if I'm not going to have a family, I'm going to be alone. And you know mm. what if this happens and this happens or whatever like how is that going to look for me and like I'm going to be on my own and I'm not going to have that bond you know like my parents will probably not be here mm. maybe my siblings won't be here either mm. I'm going to be completely alone and maybe I'll still have my partner that's great but like what happens if something happens to them or yeah. you know like there's yeah. like this yeah. endless kind of cycle of of stuff and you just at the end of the day you're kind of left alone mm. And a kid generally mm. tends to help with that because, you know, they will care about you if you do a good job. <laughs> yeah. One of my friends actually asked me a question recently, but she's been thinking about the same thing. We're the same age. And we had this big debate about the topic. And she was like, is there any reason to have a child that is not a selfish one? Which I think is a really poignant question mm. to the way that I was thinking about children. My reasoning is quite selfish. And I think similar to you, Sarah, I'm very happy with my life and the way that it is. I like getting up at my time, having my coffee in the morning. Yeah. But it's a personal, personal decision. And what about you, Leah? How do you feel about children and your future? I think that I would want kids at some point. I'm quite certain that I wouldn't want to give birth to kids. Mm -hmm. Like... I think this could actually fit into the it's not a selfish reason necessarily because there are so many kids in the world that are born from these people that don't necessarily want them or aren't mm. ready mm. or can't abort them mm. or can't yet yeah, you know can't change the decision of what's already mm. happening mm -hmm. uh, and they're without loving parents and loving families and support and they're without so many things you know and they need the support from somebody Mm -hmm. and the nice thing is is like I want to give them that support mm -hmm. not all of them obviously I'm not going to adopt every fucking child but you know like if I can make a difference to help like one kid just to have the love and the support that mm -hmm. they need mm -hmm. that in turn will make me really happy just because mm -hmm. I'm yeah you know giving them a better life and like making sure that they do feel that love and the support mm -hmm. so if there were children in your future you would want to go down the adoption I think path. I would definitely go down the adoption path like I'm not necessarily I think yes of course the biological kind of side of it is important to some people mm. for me it's not it's the way that the connection that you have with that mm. with that child mm. and the way that you support that child and the way that you're there to be that child's family mm -hmm. regardless of if they have the same DNA or not mm. I think even as like as kids they don't necessarily think okay this is my mom and dad because 
I popped out of her vagina, you know. Yeah, all because, someone that like, takes care of you. Exactly. So regardless of if that genetics are there or mm. not, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter, you know. Mm. Like the important thing is like the love and the support and the family aspect. That's something that plays into a lot of my thinking as well in terms of what kind of family I would be bringing the child to. Because like as we know, my family is quite homophobic. And when I was coming out, everybody made a point of saying like, you're an adult, it's your decision, but don't ever bring children into this. Like, don't you ever have children? It's quite threatening. (laughs) It sounds like a really difficult thing to kind of process, especially when you're at the kind of point where you're thinking about maybe do I want kids or do I not want kids? Like it's some, it plays a big part. But I really think like, is it fair to ever bring somebody to ever have a child knowing that that will be their extended family? And that they're like automatically, because of the way that they exist, they're not going to be accepted. I can't come to terms with allowing that for myself because it just doesn't feel, it just doesn't feel fair. It's also as well, like I think the kind of emotional toll that would have on you as well, like Mm. having a child and then seeing the people that you're connected to as your family, not fully accepting that child, I think as a parent, and Mm. that would have in addition to the potential impacts on the child, the potential impact on you as a parent yeah. and yeah. how hard that would that would really be. I mean, it's already a stressful thing to become a parent, you know, especially when you have, like, the first child. Mm-hmm. But then to add the extra pressure of all of these surrounding kind of elements is, yeah, I mean, it would be really, mm-hmm. really tough on you and on your partner as well. Yeah. 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 Like, it would cause, like, a massive strain I guess on the relationship too I mean it's it's funny because like you see so many heterosexual couples that end up falling into it and one day she's pregnant or whatever Mm -hmm. it's like okay cool like we're doing this like they don't need to necessarily think about all of this added pressure because it's definitely more accepted yeah everywhere you know it's part of life in quotations just Mm -hmm. because nobody can see what I'm doing with my fingers (laughs) (laughs) but like it's yeah unless you're in that situation you're not going to think about it at all yeah and there's so many different yeah factors and stuff that we I think kind of look past or are looked past in general it's a massive decision yeah and there's a lot of internalized homophobia I think that plays into the way that that decision is kind of shaping itself because to some extent okay my family's really homophobic but by giving into that sometimes I feel like maybe I'm allowing that homophobia to to continue yeah because if they say it's not okay, then I'll just submit and say... I'll be like, okay, like, if you don't think it's okay, I will yeah, do, I'll do what you say. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I think also, like, to kind of go on the other side, if you did decide to bring a child into this world mm. or adopt or however you wanted to do it, as long as that kid has your love and your support, mm. if, like, you know, like, if they have that love and support from you and that family aspect, like you could bring a child into the world and they could be very happy. They can, Mm. you know, experience all of these things that maybe you didn't get to experience. And as a parent, you can shape and form the way and say, okay, well, I was raised like this. These are things that I really disliked from the Mm. way that I was brought up. Mm. And I don't want my child to feel like that. So I'm going to be extra conscious not to do that. Mm. And, you know, I think that you take a lot more, caution in the way that you bring up a child if you have had these kind of struggles you know in and that can refer to anything whether it's like homophobia or it's like an interracial relationship you know or interreligious or Mm -hmm. whatever Mm -hmm. but you can really kind of set aside these ideals and be like 
no, like I want my child to be open enough with that and to understand and have the stuff that I didn't have as, as a child. Mm. Do you feel like your stance on having or not having children has been impacted by partners that you've had? Like you, Sarah, do you think it's changed depending on who you're with? That's an interesting question. It's not one I've really, I've really thought about that much. I think actually my current partner and my previous partner potentially like made me love children and enjoy being around children potentially more than I did previously because like my current partner is absolutely fan- like fantastic with children. Everyone comments on the fact that she's magic and she's got like, this gift with them. Mm. And my previous partner was just loved children and was fantastic around them as well. And so potentially potentially that's had an impact. But I, I would say I was someone who was potentially a bit ambivalent anyway and I don't think it's really changed. And actually my partner... Well, true, in true stereotypical lesbian style, we actually talked about the children question on our first date, non-date. <laughs> about what we were. And basically because she's she's a bit older than me, before she met me, she was aware she had to make a decision one way or another. And her decision was, even though I really, really love children, I feel like I really want to be a mother. I know within myself, I couldn't do it single. Yeah, and yeah. because I'm not with anyone at the moment, I'm going to make peace with the fact that I might not be a mother. And that's really hard, but I'm going to come to terms with it. So when she met me, she'd kind of come to terms with that decision individually. Mm. And yeah, I mean, my sister, I was talking about it with my sister a few months ago. And she she said, you know, like, I think it would be a crime to the world if your partner <laughs> didn't have children. Like, she was literally born, well, not literally, she was born to be a mother. That's such but, a nice thing to say. But mm. she was like, having said that, you do you, you must do you, you must do whatever is right for the two of you. Yeah, yeah, wow. And, yeah, and so we've talked about that, and we've talked about the fact that, yeah, she she does have this gift, but... At the same time, in light of all the other factors that I was talking about earlier, like the fact that we both really like our lives, we're both with what's going on in terms of the environment and the climate at the moment. Do we feel comfortable bringing a child into this world? No judgment on anyone who does because it's a deeply personal decision. But then there's the mm. question about adoption. And is that is that a way of navigating that tension as well? So that was a very long-winded, inarticulate way of saying Potentially, some extent, I have been influenced by what my partner thinks or wants, but because I'm on the, because I'm ambivalent anyway, I, I don't think too much. Okay. okay. Yeah, it was a good response. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and what about you? Me? Yeah, like my ex was pretty adamant that she was never really wanted kids, but so that was kind of like an easy situation. Like I did feel more comfortable with her being like, I don't need kids in my life. But then, like, I was with her for, like, more of my 20s, so I was Still at the age where you're not necessarily thinking I was young and beautiful and my ovaries were very healthy. <laughs> but, um, but now, I think, for me, I think it would make a huge difference to be with a partner that is more pro having children because, like, I wouldn't want to be on my own on that, in that task of bringing up children. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that... I think, yeah, I'd want to be in, like, a very stable relationship where the both people definitely want them feelings, yeah. yeah for sure what about you um I think I'm only 27 so I'm not <laughs> I'm not at the 30 point where my whole life is coming into question on whether I want children or not 
And I guess also with the fact that I kind of would prefer to adopt, I do have like quite a fair amount of time. Yeah. So like, I guess with my previous partners and stuff, like it's obviously come up because again, there's been stereotypes. Mm -hmm. talk about this Probably again, say similar to you or like the first date or the first, <laughs> within the first month, at least, I think it always pops up. But I, I remember there was, there was one ex that I did have a conversation with about like, how do you feel about kids and whatever. She told me that she didn't really want them. And I felt a bit upset mm -hmm. at that just because I think I like, you know, I'm still figuring out if it's something that I really want. Mm. But at the same time, I think that I'm always more siding towards the kind of fact that I do want them because, I mean, I had a relatively big family, not compared to yours. <laughs> um, there were like four of us. Mm. And so oh, having, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a small family in comparison, but like there were four of us and it was so nice to have like so many people around. Yeah. And I think now like me being on my own, I'm like, oh my God, this feels a bit weird. Like mm -hmm. I'm so used to having so many people around me. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but I think that I would like to have kids. And in that sense, I'm already thinking kind of further ahead because I'm like, well, it can't just be one because I wouldn't want it to be a single mm. kid. Like it would need to be at least two, you know, mm. and that's a pretty big decision. But like the decision, I guess, would be more on, would it be like a, a natural pregnancy or like a pregnancy of some sort with my partner? Because I definitely wouldn't want to give birth, but like mm. would my partner want to give birth mm. when I kind of want to adopt. And like, mm. obviously I think in that sense, if my partner did want to give birth then I would give her that opportunity mm -hmm. and I like, I would be comfortable with that because maybe that's what she wants. And like, mm. there's a little bit of compromise in there somewhere. Nice. Yeah, that would be mm. nice. But like, depending obviously on the, the partner that I decide to spend the rest of my life with. Yeah. It's an interesting thing to think about because we did do a little bit of research into the channels of what are the lesbian options for babies. And the, so to go through a natural birth or what would be the correct term, like a medically assisted natural birth, <laughs> Depends on what you use, you know. Depends if you use on what a turkey based to right. food assisted. <laughs> okay, kind of. Kitchen utensil assisted. Kitchen oh. assisted. <laughs> Kitchen aid. <laughs> okay, so medically assisted. There are a few different channels. Okay, number one, there's the IUI, intrauterine insemination, which is, I guess, where you have, like, the doctor has sperm that is inserted into the woman and then there's a baby. <laughs> So kind of like the turkey-based uh, method. <laughs> turkey uh, method, but with a doctor. Exactly. Uh, option two is IVF. Number three, you have reciprocal, reciprocal IVF, yeah. yeah, which is where they swap. Basically, they take the eggs from one woman, inseminate it, put it into the other one, vice versa. Mm -hmm. And then there becomes a baby at the end. So when you're going into the IVF or the medically assisted birthing process, there are a lot of things to consider in terms of which country is going to support you in the legal side of things. And we did find out that Denmark is a very popular destination for this kind of treatment because it's one of the world's biggest sperm banks, which was open in 2006. So it's been a popular destination for a while mm -hmm. for couples to go for pick up sperm. So because of this, Denmark is quite advanced in terms of IVF treatment. IVF treatments. Yeah. So those are the options that you would have if you wanted to go through the natural birth. Mm -hmm. And I guess you could consider this as like the first obstacle of figuring out which one you want. For sure. And then 
you know, and then along with that, there comes the consideration of how much it's going to cost, the medical bills, etc. The procedures as well themselves mm-hmm. and how intense they are and where it's legal, of course. Yeah. In that regard, Sarah, how do you feel about each of those options if you were to Preference. go through with it? Yeah. Um, is there one that you would be more comfortable with? Um, so our preferred preferred option in an ideal world, or the one that we're drawn to the most, would be the reciprocal IVF, but one-sided reciprocal IVF, if okay. that makes sense. Yeah. Because like like you, Leia, I, I really don't like the idea of being pregnant. Mm-hmm. Some women are really drawn to it. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I'm not. Mm-hmm. But my partner really is. But because she's older than me and I'm 35, yeah. from a type of biologically in terms of egg health, we'd want to use my eggs and then she'd be the one that carried the baby. However, we're aware that that we haven't really even started researching what our options are in that respect in France. And I also would add that as another barrier is just the type that how much research you have to do into this and in terms of finding the information and where you get these resources from is I would say the first hurdle, particularly for me, because when, when I get home from work, I don't want to spend hours yeah, on my yeah, laptop. Like searching and searching <laughs> and searching. And... And, then, and then also thinking about what does that mean in terms of cost? What does that mean in legally in terms of me also being a recognised parent? What does what does that mean? Yeah, just, so that, that would be the preferred option, but it's thinking, it's working out whether that's, possible financially whether that's possible legally if you can fit it around work as well yeah and with the, the medical yeah exactly and and also emotionally what that would mean going through because I and this is another point that I don't think is is talked about enough is that IVF is physically a really really hard thing to go through and then that in turn has an emotional toll both individually and also on you as a couple Mm. And I think I think I actually would find the stress of watching my partner go through IVF. I would personally find that really stressful. Yeah, of course. <laughs> having to watch someone I love go through that. So so that there's that as well. And we we would also think about trying our luck with the turkey baster method. But yeah. that as well, like the difficulty there is who are we getting sperm from? Yeah. And we kind of joked when we lived in New Zealand, we had a short list of men we'd consider and we had some, I guess, characteristics that we wanted. Some of them jokey, some of them not so jokey. And overall it came down to, we want the person who donated sperm to be a decent human being. Yeah. But yeah, because we were relatively new to France and we're still we're still establishing friends and mm. and most of our friends tend to be women. So yeah. where do you find <laughs> where do you find where do you find men? Um, and then also we're open to the idea of adoption, but then related to the the I guess the not so much obstacles, but I guess mental hurdles for us personally. Mm-hmm. There's also the research working out what's possible in that respect. Where how long the process will take. Are we going to be in our mid-40s before we're even yeah, eligible? Legally, as as non-citizens, what does that mean if we adopted the child elsewhere and brought the child back to France? There's all these yeah. questions to consider. And that takes time as well. And so that's why, even though I'm in the spirit of indecision, because of the, all these things take time, effort and research, it's got to get cracking just in case. Yeah. 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 Well, it sounds like it's a very time-consuming kind of decision to make because you do need to weigh up 
all of the options and see like what you're going to be most comfortable mm. with as an individual, but also as a couple mm-hmm. for sure. And they're not easy decisions no. to make by any means, you know, like in every kind of regard, especially with like the medically assisted, it mm. is going to take a massive toll on your body, your mental health, your hormones, mm. every fucking, it's going to pretty much turn your life upside down through that particular period of going through all of the mm. treatment. Mm. Um, it's pretty fucking intense. Huh? Yeah. It's a, it's a big question. Yeah. It's a big process. Yeah. But like with each of those options, I think, for me, I still would get stuck on the cost. Yeah. The more I look into it, the more I'm just seeing dollar signs in terms of getting to the point of being pregnant is so expensive in my situation as a lesbian. And yeah, it just seems like an impossible task. Maybe I'm just really bad at saving my money. <laughs> no, but also it's like, you know, what could what else could you do with that money? You could secure, for example, a house. Yeah. You know, you could put a deposit down on an mm-hmm. apartment or a house somewhere mm-hmm. and that could already kickstart your life in a different way. Mm-hmm. And with regards to like putting all of this money in just to get this child is that I think it just pisses me off the fact that it's really difficult to have just a natural childbirth and you're a yeah. fucking lesbian. The point being you shouldn't take it for granted that just because you decide you want to go through the mm-hmm. physical and emotional yeah. toll of IVF that you will actually be able to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's also the the option of, you know, like that thing about, I don't know if you read about this, but there's a way for women to get pregnant from themselves or like from another woman. And it's using part of the femur. It's the bone marrow. bone marrow. And they're still developing it. It's not perfect yet. But maybe in like 10, 15 years or even a little bit longer, we might actually start to see that play a part. That's, it's really, it's something that they're starting to take into consideration and starting to like look into, but it is genetically possible to fertilize an egg with bone marrow so from the femur. And like I said, like, it is really at the beginning of kind of them looking into it and kind mm. of developing and seeing what is physically possible or like biologically possible. But who knows, like in like 10, 15 years or like sometime down the line, Mm. It could be another way for like lesbian couples or queer couples to have kids. Yeah, well, babies of the future. Pretty much, yeah. Sorry, anyway, that was slightly off topic, but it was <laughs> maybe in 20 years, you know, we re go through this episode and we re record it. We'll, yeah, we'll revisit in like 20 years. So with just, our babies crying in the background. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, providing that you have figured out a way that you wanted to go through like the medically assisted childbirth the next thing that you need to kind of consider and like take a look into is the legal aspect of it. Mm. First of all, it's not legal in every country. Mm-hmm. Second of all, there's two kind of different main stems off of this is like the legalizing, like going through the IVF or the IUI or, or whatever. Mm. But then you also have the legality of like, will you be recognized or will both of the parents be recognized as the parents of that particular child? Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of kind of hurdles to jump, you know, like you finally make your way through, okay, deciding what do I want? Do I want IUI? Do I want this? Do I, do I want to go IVF through? There are a lot of things to consider and it's, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. It's a massive decision. Mm -hmm. And once you finally kind of jumped through that hurdle, done your research for two or three years and made that decision and and found the best kind of option for you as a couple and as an individual, 
you then have all of these other extra hurdles of, okay, is the country that I'm living in going to support me in that in every aspect? Or mm. am I going to have to go to this place to get that? There's so many extra obstacles that just keep popping up at every yeah. single hurdle. Yeah. At least that's what it what it, seems, what it seems. Yeah. 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 And if one of and if if one of you if you have a baby and a couple, like if one of you gives birth and has the baby, then does your partner, in order to be registered as a parent, have to go through the process of adopting the child? Yeah. And then you have these people come in and they're like criticizing, really taking a strong look into every aspect of your partner's life to validate them and to make sure that they I mean, I, I assume that's what the process is, no? It depends on the it depends on the jurisdiction, and okay. yeah, so it depends again on the country and yeah. the place. I mean, the whole thing is so invasive on your personal privacy. It is like the, any path you take, you have to be. I guess as well, you have to be just so strong in your partnership that mm. you're ready to go through this every single step together. Yeah, and same thing if you go down the adoption route. It's yeah, it's again very again, very invasive. The legality of where you are and where it's an option and the process itself the, the amount of paperwork the amount mm. of, of kind of mm. I think you need like recommend but depending again on the on the place that you are but like letters of recommendations of like how you'd be as a parent or mm. it's mm. kind of like when you want to get a sponsorship and get a visa for another country yeah just to move there and be with your couple and prove that you're in a couple but this is like even more fucking intense. Yeah. And for something that, you know, you just want to create a family and raise a family together. Yeah. Is, they make it so fucking complicated for no reason. It's yeah. The thing I find really surprising is that you also can't take it for granted that in, in many countries that as a same sex couple that you actually can adopt together. And that's, I, it's really, it's really quite surprising. So the country I'm from, New Zealand, it's not clear cut that unless you so married same sex couples can adopt and they've been able to adopt since 2013, mm, but it's okay. not. So the way it stands for de facto same sex couples. So in terms of the way the legislation has been interpreted, it's spouse is the term used. Mm -hmm. And in 2010, there was, I can't remember if it was the family court or the high court um, decision, basically interpreting the word spouse to also mean de facto heterosexual couple. Okay. But then in a, in, in a comment in passing, the judge made a comment about how interpreting spouse to mean de facto homosexual couple would be a step far too far. He said other words, but it was along those lines. Mm -hmm. And then it went to the family court, uh, this issue went to the family court in 2015. And there was a judgment that came out was either 2015 or 2016, interpreting the word spouse to include de facto same sex couples. But in terms of the way the legal system works in New Zealand, that's only a family court decision, which is a really low court. Mm -hmm. And so future court decisions aren't bound to follow it. So you could get, so a different judge in the family court could come to a different view. The high court's higher than the family court. They don't have to follow it. So you can't take it for granted that if you're a de facto same-sex couple, mm -hmm. you can adopt. Which to me, when I found this out, I just thought this, this is 20, like 23. This is absolutely yeah. Yeah. mad that as a de facto same-sex couple, there's a question about whether or not you can adopt as a couple. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, I guess at the end of the day, kind of coming back to my, the reasoning for me wanting to adopt. Like there are these kids out there and there are so many that 
need loving families and there are people so many people and so many couples that want to give yeah that love and that like family aspect and want yeah just want want these kids mm. which they haven't seen because they're not wanted by anybody mm. and there are people out there that really want them for many different reasons mm. and yet they can't like they still have all of these fucking obstacles in the way just because it's same sex pretty depressing yeah but i think something to keep in mind is that like in an ideal world where if a lesbian couple or a queer couple decides to have a child or decides to adopt a child and they're successful i do think like queer people in a big generalization we because we have built this idea of having a chosen family mm-hmm. i think we have a really nice setup to be able to build a supportive kind of family that this child like all of these obstacles mean that you have to really 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 want the child that you're going to get yeah so you would hope by getting at the end of that you're like you're going to be the best parents <laughs> ever because For sure because there's because so the much love is, yeah that's come from this process and it's not just a, a quick last minute decision you're like oh well fuck the, just the time the time is ticking you know yeah. so i better get on with it yeah there's so much yeah energy that has been put into it and it's a big fucking decision that has been made and followed through with and that's yeah. a beautiful thing you know like these families at the end of it are going to come out and be super fucking supportive and mm. you know really present and really yeah. you know wanting the best for their child in every single sense yeah which isn't the same for everybody you know yeah. when you can just quite easily take advantage of okay well I can get pregnant pretty easy so I'm gonna go and sleep with this person and boom Bob's your uncle next day I'm pregnant yeah because then when you think about it that child is coming into a queer chosen family where the parents have chosen other family members yeah to be their community support and they're gonna have an incredible support network and an incredible family regardless of if it's blood or not yeah I think I think that question of I guess it comes back to queering queering the notion of what family means as well <laughs> and queering the notion of what motherhood means and what it looks like. I read this book a couple of months ago that was in French and it was basically a number of French women so journalists authors who'd written these essays on different aspects of motherhood whether that's what the stereotypical image of a mother looks like what emotional labor means mm-hmm. and there was a couple of stories of queer women and from queer women talking about what it means to be a mother and examining that whole does there have to be a biological yeah. relationship and it was just a really interesting read as well even women in heterosexual relationships about challenging what the notion of mother means and looks like in terms of gender stereotypes mm-hmm. and that made me reflect more on on that querying the notion of what family looks like Mm. and how family means different things to different people and I guess bringing it back to that whole indecision point I've always I guess bristled a bit when friends well-meaning friends well-meaning people have asked the question have you thought and have you had any further thoughts about starting a family and it's like well actually you know like me and my partner we are a family already Mm, yeah and I guess to flip it another friend I, I love the language she uses around this. She says, um, how, where are you on your journey on expanding your family? And mm-hmm. I love that language so much more yeah. because it's so much more inclusive because family doesn't, family doesn't have to mean being a parent to a child. Yeah. It can be what you make it and it can be the relationship you have with the other children in your life, like being an amazing auntie, being an amazing 
don't know, I've always God joked no. with a friend like all oh, Earth Mother or, yeah. <laughs> or whatever. So so yeah, I, th- I think I think that's an interesting thing to reflect on about other ways you can have children in your life and and also if you do have children, what your family is more broadly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's a really beautiful that way is, of thinking about it. That is a very nice way. Yeah, thank you for sharing. <laughs> yeah, it's really nice. Mm. Um, a friend of mine her, put me in touch with her boss who gone through this journey and he linked me to two groups who are based in France who basically are support groups for queer parents oh, who wow. are going through this journey and they have meetups, they have they have their resources resources online are amazing like they've got these really detailed tables about what the age restrictions are in France for going through different types of medically existed things yeah um so that was the first one I looked at but then like randomly and this is someone who I I've met once in a meeting yeah he sent me this message in the new year saying like hey hi Sarah happy new year I just came across this group which could be another group for you to look at if you're interested might be more might be of more interest for you because they seem a bit more focused on women whereas the other group is a is bit more focused, more focused on, on men, men. Yeah. yeah yeah wow yeah is that are they publicly available these tables and charts yeah you can get them on the website okay cool so we'll link to that in the, yes. in the show notes i guess after all this discussion and all this like the more you think about it kind of thing i'm curious does it change your mind like after discussing it do you feel sarah do you feel less ambivalent or Leah, are you more excited about insemination? <laughs> For me, I don't feel less ambivalent, but I think it's really good to talk about. You feel, even though I'm still in an ambivalent place, I think I feel less muddled, if that yeah. makes sense. It feels less feels less foggy in, in my mind. And there's still going to be days where I'm leaning more towards one way than the other, but mm-hmm. it's just, I guess, keeping going with the process and seeing how that evolves. And also I think talking about it more is really important as well because I, I don't think this topic about the decision to have children in and of itself, both within and outside the queer community, is is talked about enough. And so I think mm-hmm. I think it is helpful to share perspectives with others. Yeah, I agree. Like just talking about it, it makes it seem more manageable. Yeah. Like it's gonna be okay. It's a possibility. Yeah. 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 It's um it's it's always good to talk about those things and I think with with like the fact that with anything you have kind of like pros and cons and you have hardships and you have complications and everything and talking about it quite openly is a nice way of like understanding actually okay yeah so there are you know complications that that come with the ideas of having a or creating a family just as they do with everything really Mm. Um, and it kind of yeah it, it helps to kind of clarify and kind of ground you and really see the options at least that's kind of what it's done for me I think having this conversation I would say that after hearing like all of the types of treatments that you can have I'm still Mm. definitely very much on the adoption kind of side Mm. yeah and I think that's also because I'm of my reasoning behind wanting a family and stuff you know I want to give that support to somebody that doesn't really have it yeah Mm. yeah it's also very interesting to to understand the other perspectives for example for the for my partner or mm. the partner that I may decide to have a family with one day mm. to understand their perspective as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah I think it's just really interesting like food for thought so moving on to a slightly different topic Leah if you were I guess maybe out one day chilling in a park thinking about these big life decisions and you see good looking <laughs> 
good looking lady nearby mm -hmm. would you have a pickup line for her i think i have a pickup line for everybody i definitely would so i would let's set the scene a little bit mm -hmm. I would walk over catch her catch her eyes yeah okay and i would ask the question are you ready for parenthood because i would love to spend nine months inside of you oh my god oh. <laughs> and then we'll see how that goes <laughs> I mean, I asked the question, are you ready for parenthood? Because I'm definitely not ready right now. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Okay, great. Well, and on that note, thank you so much for listening to our episode today. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> and also, thank you so much, Sarah, for coming yes. on this journey with us and sharing your thoughts and experiences with us. Yeah, thank you very much. Hugely appreciated. You're so welcome. It's cool how this started. This just started with me talking about my ambivalence <laughs> over a beer with you. But <laughs> here we are. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we also just wanted to pop in a quick little note that this is the last episode of our season. Yes, it first is. First season. We're going to take a little break to deal with our dark dramas. <laughs> to enjoy the summer. To enjoy the summer and to have a little bit of rest time. Um, again, we hope that when we restart that we get to share all of our incredible episodes with you guys mm -hmm. um, and you can keep updated with our instagram and kind of what's happening with us and and what's happening with the the next season as well mm -hmm. so you'll have all of that information if you just follow us if you have any thoughts and feelings that you want to share with us you can get in touch at dicalicious.podcast at gmail.com or you can find us on instagram where we'll be posting the links that we found and that is at dicalicious underscore podcast and yeah if you feel so inclined a little five-star review on your podcast app of choice would be really helpful to help other queer women find us help feed the algorithm so stay subscribed to the channel we'll be back in about two maybe three weeks depending on how much fun we're having and <laughs> we will talk to you soon these are about very interesting things about yes. lots of interesting things <laughs> all right <season>. okay bye <laughs> okay bye <stop>. <laughs> <laughs>